how do you do? Somebody get Henning a coffee. It is very early in the morning for him. <laughs> and I got my times wrong. The damn conversion of time. Mm. I thought we were on I an hour. My, but get, that's good. I got my days wrong. You did get your I days wrong. Days wrong. <laughs> yeah, see. So we're on an even keel now. How are you doing, buddy? Well, I, I, I got it wrong by almost a week. You got it wrong by an hour. So I think we're good. Yeah. I think you, you win. You win. I win? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you had me worried when you said, hey, you said Monday. I was like, whoa, let me go through my messages. Uh, but I did actually get it right. And it's usually me that makes those kinds of mistakes, man. But we're here. How's things with you, buddy? Uh, I'm, I'm awake. You're awake. I uh, I will be looking as if I'm on drugs or crying, like Leslie beat me up, but that's not the case. Uh, allergies are kicking my nuts. So if there's tears rolling down, it's not you, Rick. You know? I mean, it might be, but we'd never know. We, we'd never know if it's you or the allergies. We have no it, idea. It's my haircut. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. You see, there's, there's things you wish you could unsee. That's that, one of them. I think so. I think so. <laughs> So, Henning, I wanted to pick your brains in front of all these folks because you're obviously yeah, wait, starting... Wait, picking my brain. That's disgusting. That, that's, how do you even get in there? I don't think I'll survive that. Get it? Oh, God, it's too early. That way, that okay, way. continue. Pick my brain. <laughs> Sorry. Go <on>, continue. <laughs> Good thing you're leaning where you are, mate, or else uh, that would look a bit sus on the old camera. So I wanted to pick your brains about the typical day of a full-time YouTuber like yourself, because it's not just sitting around playing guitar all day and go, oh yeah, let's just turn this on and go. So wouldn't that be nice? It would. It would. Yeah. So you're obviously starting your day with a coffee. What was what does a usual day uh, entail for Mr. Henning Pauly? Uh, should I include masturbation in that, or do we skip that? Let's start at the point where uh, you actually enter the studio, which, man, I've got to say, when I came to your place, I was blown away at how uh, big that place is. It's a lot deeper than what it looks on camera. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. You said You said Rick, you said it. Okay. We're going to have one of those, aren't we? <laughs> oh, see, now I'm crying, and it's not the allergy. Okay, um, wait, my damn chair's breaking. Uh, uh. Okay, um, yeah, it's about eight meters. Um, so, uh, okay, before I actually enter the studio, let's skip the masturbation part. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I do spend probably a good hour in bed. The first thing I do is like reach for my iPad or something, and I go through emails. I go through Facebook messages. I go through Facebook to see what everyone's up uh, up to. Uh, it's not a uh, let's look at what my friends are doing. It's you know YouTubers, companies, of course, friends as well. But it is I don't use Facebook as a social thing. Uh, in terms of like you know my, my 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 friends around me, it's all about the business. Um, I check and answer YouTube comments. So uh, before I even get up, there's probably a good hour of in bed iPad office work. Um, and Not I was going to go and make do do yeah. a masturbation. Yeah, yeah. The joke again, but let that's not office. That's private time. Okay. Um, 
And then, well, before I uh, started YouTube, my day started in the afternoons because I was teaching guitar. So it started at the earliest one o'clock when kids get out of school, um, which means you could. Oh, Sophia's here. Hey, Sophia. Yeah. Um, and of course, everyone else. And Mo is here. Mo. <laughs> um, so back in those days, I could sleep in, I could play some video games, and then get ready for teaching, you know, in the afternoon. And so the real musician, which means you're teaching, that's what most real musicians do, almost no matter what level everyone's teaching. Mm -hmm. Um you actually have way more free time than doing YouTube because now Leslie gets up and when she leaves at seven, I stay up. So stay in, stay in bed, do my emails. It's eight. I get up and um, what I should be doing is get on the treadmill because look at all of this. Um, you didn't have that last I saw you. Nope. Nope. It's bad. But I don't. So um, then I... Uh, <laughs> Um, come in the studio, and usually I would say until two o'clock or something, videos don't really happen. It's uh, emails, it's uh, uh, chores, it's uh, doing thumbnails. Uh, you might have done a whole series of videos and you have to do 10 thumbnails, uh, which is a pain in the ass. I mean, if you're not know, more would probably really enjoy that because he's a designer, he's a Photoshop guy. He's like, yeah, let's do thumbnails. And I'm like, let's, let's cut out the millionth guitar shape. Oh, the, the tuners again. You know, cutting out the freaking tuner so you can do the background in a different color. Mm -hmm. And, oh, let's come, out, uh, let's come up with a really cool text for the thumbnail that draws people in. And then you're torn between... I call it, you know, cheating them, a little bit clickbaiting them or doing something informative, which no one cares about. And then you're, you're wrestling with your, uh, with your conscience. What do I put on the thumbnail? Um, but uh, doing this uh, Skype calls with companies, uh, talking to distributors, and you have to keep those relationships up. And that can easily spin into an hour to two hour phone calls sometimes. And when you're just done, the next person calls you. Uh, loads and loads and loads of Facebook chats uh, with companies, companies that write you and they're like, you know, what do you charge and blah, blah, blah. Uh, or keeping those relationships up, uh, chatting with the, uh, with the team that was at Gear Street and TGU. Um, we have like, you know, a, a chat on Facebook uh, and, you know, talking with your friends there. So, uh, Slide shots of pedals or guitars. Uh, I try to do that in bulk because setting up the slider and the lighting and all that for a single pedal, sometimes you have to because it's a video that needs to get out, but that is a little bit annoying. So I try to do that in bulk. So I have five or six pedals and then setting up the shots and having the slider go by, record it, next pedal, focus. That's not playing guitar. And unless you're really into cameras, which it looks like I am, but I'm not, that's work. Uh, even worse is uh, guitar slide shots. They're bigger, 
And I've got this. Wait, should I show you? I'll show you. Wait a Why second. Not? Let's do that. Folks, I've been in that room and I can, I absolutely can't hear you blew right my now, mind. I know, mate. I'm talking to my viewers. That is a wait, huge room full of some bit. really high-end gear. I love it. Love it. So I got this thing. You can see it, right? Yeah. Which is a jib. So, see, this wow. goes up and down. Wow. And what's on here is ridiculously heavy. So there's four kilos of counterweights on here. Yeah. And this is all programmable and motorized. Cool. So I can actually set up the camera right here. And I can do this oh. slide shot if I wanted to. And the camera even has, it's ridiculous, um, a focus module on it. Mm -hmm. So it actually turns the focus. Yep. And there's even a laser module, which means I can, I can actually set it on a certain spot and then, then tell the software, stay on it. And when I do this, it will automatically track that spot. Wow. Wow. So here's the thing. People think, ah, oh, he makes money on YouTube. He can buy nice guitar gear. No, this is where my money goes. <laughs> yeah. Because this right here, let's look at the whole setup. 600 bucks for the tripod. That's 1200 This whole thing is 2000 something. Oh, with the, oh, this is actually more. It's probably three grand plus the camera and the lens. I don't know. We're looking at 7000 bucks or something. That's... But... So I set this up to shoot um, like a guitar, you know, going from the bottom to the top. And then you change the guitar. You do the same shot again. You have to make sure it's balanced and the, the shot is nice and fluid. Then uh, you can actually turn this to go this way. Cool. So I can actually swivel this right here. Yeah. I can also go diagonal. So you change that. You put the guitar down. You do the next shot. It's... Very time-consuming. Um, and then you sit there and you do the shot, you do the shot, you do the shot, you change the batteries. It's, um, it takes at least half a day to do a slide shot of a guitar. Uh, well. Not of a guitar, but to do slide shots of guitars. Yeah. And when... Um, wait, let me put my headphones back in. So once I got the shots... Uh, they need to be edited and color corrected and all that. So I do that. And all that gives me is when you see my videos, there's a um, there's a little slideshow for one minute at the beginning. I try to have my videos. I mean, that's my format. Um, you see the product in the beginning and you hear sounds. So for anyone out there that thinks it's necessary to bitch about, you talk so much, we need to see the product. I politely say, shut the fuck up, because why not just watch the first minute and be done with it? Every single video I have, the first minute are kick-ass shots of, the, of the, uh, the product and unedited raw sounds without effects, whatever. So you want to hear the damn thing, watch the first minute and be done with it. What's the problem? You know, the talking only starts after you've already had the information you're crying about. So when people say, uh, you know, we want to hear the thing, blah, 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 don't talk so much. 
you've already seen it. You've already heard it. What are you crying about? Then also at that point when they when they cry about it, they've seen a fully produced track, which you know, you're a musician, you know how much work that is. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, so okay, I do the slide shots sometimes, um, or uh, I might do... Uh, I might edit videos that we've shot before. So my whole morning uh, is at least that. Every time uh, 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 Leslie says, "Can we, you, when do we film videos and we plan to do it in the mornings, it never works out. Sure. She's like, can I come over? And I'm like, nope, nope, not done yet, not done yet. So nothing happens in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I've shot a bunch of videos with her, then sometimes the afternoons are the same thing. I'll edit them uh, and upload them and, uh, you know, all the metadata and tags. It's all the stuff that I really do. Nothing has to do with what I studied. Nothing has to do with playing guitar. It technically has to do with uh, search engine optimization mm-hmm. and and hashtag tag but all the stuff i know nothing about and i'm pretty sure my channel would be extremely bigger if i cared about it you know if i really i mean there's books about that yeah there's great books about uh social media marketing um natalie tower from uh, sweetwater she's posting she's a social media manager for for sweetwater um and she's posting all these books on that kind of stuff that she's reading and i'm thinking whoa that's stuff i should know about and uh, yeah, when would I, when would I read that? Now I really don't care about it. But the thing is, if you do that right and you know how to integrate Instagram with this and this, I don't even do Twitter, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I think with the right tags and the right way to do this, the channel could probably be spread more by the algorithms on the different platforms. But I, I just don't give a rat's ass. I want to. I want to do the part of the video which is fun, which is actually writing music for the track. That's that's the part where I actually play guitar. Yeah. Without without a camera rolling, that's where I figure out parts. It's where I find sounds, where I learn the instrument, the pedal, and where I create music. And then comes the part where you have to film the damn thing, which again isn't the biggest fun in the world because the way that you know when you would write a good piece of music would you try to play it all the way from beginning to end probably not right mm, mm. You, you would go and you do takes yep yeah so you'd go and you know play the intro till it's what you want Get it and then set up and then set up you know maybe a slightly different sound for the verse and so on and so on yeah but you don't do that i don't do that for a youtube gear demo i will go and i will learn the part and then I will try to get one take, because otherwise editing will be a bitch, one take of that guitar part from beginning to end Yep. with the camera rolling. And if I mess up in the middle of the song, I've already played for two and a half minutes, I got to go and do it again. Mm-hmm. And I got to go and do it again. You can, of course, which people do, and it's totally fine, record the whole thing and then mimic what you've done. Mm-hmm. You lose some improv stuff that you do you lose some slides some you know some some things that kind of make it alive but it's totally doable if you really know what you've played sure. but i don't do that i actually what you see on my videos when i when i play is actually me recording the part yeah which means 
you might have to start over and over if you really mess up in the middle of a song. And if you do four or five layered guitars, which is what I do, that takes time. So re even recording those tracks is a chore. If it was just playing the guitar and making the music, well, that would be, that would be fun. That's what people think we do. Totally. That would be recording guitar. Yeah. So having said but, that, mate, I, I saw your, um, your demo of the Synergy <clears throat> Vi module. And I was cooking at the time and I, I sent you a message straight away just going, dude, you nailed that. How many takes did that take to get right? That's what happens when you actually want to do well. <laughs> um, usually, and I'm not trying, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn or to say, look how good I am. But when I do, I mean, there's a couple of different things I do. Either I do a fully produced track of like something I've written um, or replacing the guitars on a song I've written or whatever, yep. or a song from a band that I produced, or I do what I call a noodle track, which is I just take Tom James's elevated jam tracks, which are amazing. Absolutely. Uh, if it's a, if especially if it's a pedal or guitar that lends itself more to soloing than rhythm, um, and I just improvise over it. Yep. But what I actually do is I drag in any one any uh, random jam track, haven't even listened to it. Turn on, turn the camera on. What comes out the first take is what I, what I take. So this is not warmed up. This is not practiced. This is not planned. This is literally just noodling first take. I haven't even heard the music. Turn the pedal on. So it's kind of the worst that you can do over the track because you don't even know what the music is. Yeah. And I love when people say, oh, I really loved your playing. It sounded so good. And, and they do. People really respond positively to this completely bad noodling but the vi thing was different because i'm sitting there with the steve vi module with the gym having just done two videos with steve vi knowing the guys from synergy and a pretty good chance because there w wouldn't be 50 videos of that module a pretty good chance that steve vi would see it absolutely so, how much work would you put into that? <laughs> I would practice nonstop for a couple of months until I had that note perfect, man. Seriously. Like, well, to play that knowing that Vi would see it, um, oh, I'd be shooting for perfection there. I might get it the first yeah, take. I, it might take me all fucking day, but I would be shooting for perfection. That's for sure. Well, here's the thing. I just don't have the discipline to sit there and actually work it out. Uh, everything in there was literally improvised. It, there's not, none of it. If I sit there and I practice a solo, people don't understand this. Yep. If I sit there like you and like everyone else and I actually practice something, I can play guitar. But I don't have the time. I don't have the time for a single video to sit there for <clears throat> a day or two, which it would have taken to do a two-minute, fully worked out, arranged solo. Mm -hmm. So... What I did is I just noodled longer. Yeah. So I, 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 took the, I took the track, which was based on um, Still My Bleeding Heart, uh, solo section from Sex and Religion. It was kind of, I rearranged that. And um, this time I just warmed up, which I never do. And it really helps to just have played for 30 minutes before you record something. It, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Which I never do in my, in my videos or when I, when I play because I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So for the Steve Vai thing, I just 
warmed up. And Leslie was in the room uh, and I was cussing and cussing. And I had the camera on, on the jib going up and down and up and down. And uh, I probably did maybe eight takes of that. Eight, I would say eight to ten takes. And then I said, good enough, that was cool. But it was not anything planned. It was improvised. But you know how it is when you improvise over a track ten times. You're starting to get a feel for certain yeah, things absolutely. that you want to play. So it still wasn't something that I practiced or worked out bit by bit. But it started to take a shape. Mm -hmm. And um, I was ultra nervous to put that video online. With that guitar, with that module... Um, for hardcore Steve Vai fans, I was very nervous because they expect the level of playing that I don't think I can do. And uh, it was very, very positive. The response was ultra positive. Many people said, oh, we had no idea you can play like that. That's not even how well I can play. But it was, it was very, very positive. So cool. Uh, cool. It, 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 it felt nice. Well, mate, I... Um I've heard you sitting around in your backyard playing, jamming uh, at 42 Gear Street, and I was really surprised. I didn't realize you played that well. Um, so you studied uh, arrangement, is that right? Yeah, I studied, uh, well, officially it's called contemporary writing and production. Yep. And I also did, I did a second major, which then was called music synthesis, which had to do with... Uh, uh, keyboard programming, synth programming. Uh, it was in the late 90s, so uh, DOS were just coming into into being, so digital audio workstations, sampling, analog synthesis, all that stuff. Uh -huh. Sound design in general. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you mentioned production... Sorry, keep going, mate. No, I, I very... Uh, during my time at Berkeley, I concentrated on guitar very little because I, th I felt like I want to do arranging. I want to write the notes on paper for the big band, the orchestra, uh, the film, the TV commercial, whatever. I wanted to, I like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, guitar wasn't my focus, which of course now is, uh, in hindsight, duh, would have been nice to do more on guitar, but I didn't. Yep, yep. Do you get time to actually watch TV? Uh, all day long. I've got an iPad, I've got TVs here, oh, really? and it's, uh, it's, just, it's just playing. Uh, but I can't... When... If I want to watch a show where you actually have to pay attention, mm -hmm. which I can't because I'm doing stuff, I'm noodling, I'm, I'm editing, uh, and I can't listen to music while I'm editing because there's music playing. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's TV shows playing, but if it's something good where you actually have to follow the plot, uh, you can't. So uh, when Corona started, I was actually watching, uh, news was playing, uh, NBC, MSNBC. Uh, I was actually watching the four press conferences from Cuomo and the White House, which makes you go insane. By the way, if you watch the whole White House press conference every day, uh, it, it's it's bad for your health. And um, after that, I started watching the worst. We're talking the worst kind of uh, reality TV. Really? Like full seasons of too hot to handle super shallow hot people on an island not allowed to have sex or whatever um and i've just watched i shouldn't say this i think 10 seasons or whatever of uh which is actually filmed where you are uh we in, in germany we call it like the jungle camp where there's like really bad 
C-list celebrities. Oh, I'm a celebrity. The, get me out of here. Yeah, that that thing. I've played the the after party that several times because um, that's really? filmed. That's filmed just down the road from me. Well, when I say down the road in Australian terms, yeah. So I've actually played maybe three, four years in a row um, and had you know like um, what's his name from Spandau Ballet play a set with him, etc. Uh, that's always a cool gig. So that's just down the road. Oh yeah, well I I I, would, I, I saw it on the map and it's Mawillumbar. Mawillumbar, yeah. And then yep. it's like that's yeah. that's maybe um, a half hour half hour drive for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's very very horrible television. It's everything that's wrong with society. It's right there. It's like people calling in who gets tortured and who gets to eat or not. It's yeah. bad. But in, I'm going to jump in just quickly before this goes. Yeah. But I've got yep. a super chat there, and I'm getting a lot of some messages, so I don't want to lose it. Jose is asking, go, go. Um, question for Henning. Did you know when you first started on YouTube that the production, editing, etc., would take as would take much of your time for the finished posted video? I, I assume as much time y as the finished. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I worked in an ad agency in LA where I ran the studio, and then I also helped uh, in the video uh, production, uh, actually filming and all that stuff. And well, back in the day, the computers that was in the early 2000s, uh, were re I mean, compared to now we were, we're talking not even HD, we're talking SD standard definition. And it's, uh, it took forever to do anything. We did mega computers with premiere, whatever. And then we had final cut on a big ass Mac pro and all that stuff. Um, I did a 10 minute music video for a DVD of one of my projects, uh, it took three weeks to edit. Wow. Three weeks because every single second we did had to be rendered in the background and every effect we did had to be rendered. It took ridiculous amounts of time. So yes, I had actually worked with Avid, Premiere and Final Cut before. So I knew how much work that would be. And I also knew when I did my first video, it, I did it in a uh, movie maker. No, not movie maker. What's it called? Uh, the, the free one on Mac. Uh, what is that? I, iMovie. iMovie. Yep. And uh, having worked with the very professional programs, I looked at iMovie. I, I did the first video and then I was like, nah. And I immediately dropped the 250 bucks on Final Cut because I knew I, I wanted the features that this couldn't give me. Sure. Um, and uh, so I knew what I was getting into. And for the first, I don't know how long, two or three years of YouTube, I did it full with several cameras and do the full editing later. And we're literally talking about a day or two to edit a video mm -hmm. uh, with cutting out the pedals. And then I had two cameras on the pedals. But now my system allows me to do 10 camera 4K shots in one go. And then I probably spend an hour, hour and a half on the video doing titling, cutting little things out where I give Leslie instructions or directions or where I'm, you know, mumbling or whatever. Yep. Um, so it's just editing one track, but there's still the, the, the titles, the, the little add-ons, uh, and there's still the slideshow. There's the, the produced track. So you got to put all the pieces together, but I don't have, several camera angles that I cut together later. That actually happens in real time, which is the only reason I can do the amount of output I have in the quality that I have. I, I was surprised when I, I learned that, that you do it all in real time. And I've seen your little control room there. It's a great setup, man. Great setup. 
So it sounds like we've got, had sort of similar backgrounds, not so much for video for me, but I used to work in a jingle house, writing all the annoying things you hear on the radio, et cetera, and produced a lot of tracks for people. So you mentioned you, you produced bands as well for a while, yeah? Yeah. I um, Well, I did jingles for, we actually had a company called The Jingle Group, uh, and I must have written, I don't know, a hundred of them or whatever, you know, for the mattress store, uh, Don's Auto Center, you know that, <laughs> yep. and Saboba Casino and Farmer Boys, uh, in all those, you know, local stores in, in, in California. Yep. And uh, produced bands. I, I think I produced bands more here than there. I did a couple of things there, but primarily my own stuff in California. And then when I came, when I came back, I produced local bands, yep. uh, which... Uh, I love. I mean, for me, production is actually taking on the role of a producer. It's not recording. Yeah. It's not band comes in, I hit record, I take their money. I could never do that. Uh, I, I, I'd feel weird about that because it's just like, oh, this is the potential of the song. And then you see the band not realizing the full potential, which could be chord progression. It could be guitar sounds. It could be voicings. It could be lyrics. It could be many things. Um so uh, I, I do arrange and coach and, and work with them on playing it a certain way, uh, maybe even taking over guitar parts that if they're saying, yeah, I can learn that, but I can't pull it off right now, you play it, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yep, yep. So uh, it's, it's fun, but it's, it doesn't pay anymore because bands simply can't make money with music. How? You know, you put it on on, on, on on the interwebs, on Spotify and all those things, and you don't get paid. No. So how does it make sense for a band to go in the studio? And I was dirt cheap. A whole album you could get for like five grand. Hmm. So even that, they'd never get back. Never. Yep. So it's just doing it for the, for the honor of people listening to your stuff for free. That doesn't make sense. Not at all. Uh, Albus big... is uh, asking, does the jingle game uh, pay well? Uh, if you get the gigs, which is probably tough nowadays, uh, a jingle can sell for 2000 to 5000 bucks, mm. for example. Yep. Uh, and if you could do it for big ad agencies and you do it uh, for uh, – uh, and you're in the union, which I had to join at a certain point – then it pays ridiculously well because I did a jingle for Rubio's Baja Grill. And uh, in, if you're in the union and it's a big ad agency, they have to pay union scale and they have to pay union scale for each musician, which interestingly, when you are recording the multitracks yourself, you count as all the musicians. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it has to be. So I'm programming the drums. I'm doing the strings on the, uh, keyboard, I'm doing three guitar tracks and the bass and the mixing. So you count as lead musician. One of the guys is the lead. Uh, then there's the engineer and all these all these tracks. And each track gets paid, I think it was 275 bucks or whatever, for like one minute of music. Um, it was a very good paycheck, not actually for the jingle, which count you know, someone writes it and they buy it from you. That's separate from what the musicians get paid. Uh, and then if it gets picked up again several months later for another quarter, all the musicians, musicians get a paycheck again for two thirds of the money. Wow. So if you work for 
those kinds of companies, if a jingle gets picked up for years, all the, there's continuous continuous payment uh, for very little work. And if you were the sole musicians on, on these, uh, holy crap, you can make really good money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, very few people, and I only did one or two of these. Usually it's a buyout, you get a chunk of money, and of course I worked for a company, so it means they got the money, I got a salary. Yeah. Um, how, how it is today, given that there's so much access to so many musicians nowadays, and everyone has a home studio, and everyone calls themselves a producer, arranger, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone's got a got a, an iPad, and they're like, oh, I'm a producer. Um, yeah, right. So I, I literally have no idea, because that obviously, with access to musicians, uh, the... I would assume the the pricing drops because everyone's like, I do it, I do it cheaper, I do it cheaper, I do it cheaper. Yeah. Um. I, I have no idea what the pricing is nowadays. Yeah. I uh, I was working at a, at a jingle house, so I um was basically just getting a, a wage, uh, and I didn't see all those benefits that you talked about of the recurring payments and everything. They sort of owned all the copyright and everything, but I saved them a shit ton of money because I was like you was the one man band they'd hand me a brief mm-hmm. i didn't have they didn't have to hire singers i'm a pretty bad singer but enough you know to, to do it double track it there yeah, way you go we just da-da-da-da-da. um played the guitars played all the drums um so yeah that's you got to be multifaceted but that leads on to what we're doing now doesn't it uh, oh yeah i mean what i've done before most certainly benefits me in what i'm doing now and um I don't think it shows a lot, the the background knowledge that I have and the experience that I have, because some uh, some hardcore fans go like, oh, I never knew you could play like that. I'm like, well, buy any of my albums and you know, um, <laughs> uh, I never knew you did this. Oh, you worked with Sebastian Bach or you did an album with James Labrie from Dream Theater. Um, you know, this information is out there. It's not difficult to find, but... Um, there are YouTube channels of I'm going to say this in an evil way, but I don't mean it. Yep. Of you know some kids sitting in their mom's basement and they've practiced guitar, they can play, but they've never been in a band, they've never actually recorded an album. Uh, they have acquired the skill of producing a track at home. Some of them actually then send that to someone to get get it mixed because they don't know how to do it. You know, and they they drag. I'm gonna be mean. Yep. Uh, be mean. And, and, and diminu diminuizing is that a word? Probably not. It uh, is now. Ta- oh, it is. Uh, taking a uh, taking a groove out of like a drum, you know, easy drum or whatever. Bang! There's the drums. You know, they they smack on their their metal riff, which they're very very good at, and they make videos. And the thing is, to the viewer. It looks exactly like what I'm doing. It's like, okay, well, you know, they know what they're doing. They get great sounds. And um, they talk about the instrument and all that. And that's great. But I think there, well, I think there should be a difference between someone who has done this for a long time and actually has experience of how to use it in realistic context. Like you, you've written jingles. You've been in bands. You've been on stage. Um, You know, 
uh, I have done, I don't know, 30 albums or something. So when I'm talking about this guitar sound works, it might not be a guitar sound that's ultra pleasant in the video, mm -hmm. but I know from experience that that works. Yep. Does it have loads of uh, low end? No, I don't want that because I'm going to EQ that out anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm talking about stuff, it's realistic use in context because I've done it. I've actually had albums and I've had albums that have been reviewed by magazines all over the world and people say, no, he knows what he's doing. So the, that's the skills and the uh, experience I hope I bring to the table. The thing is, it doesn't show in the video. And I'm not someone that says in my videos, like, believe what I say because I've done this and this and this. I'm saying it here now. Yeah. But unless, you know, if people don't realize it, I can't help them. Technically, the produced track in the beginning should show that. And I think I'm one of the very, very few people that actually do tracks uh, with vocals. I use actual songs. Yeah, right. Where I'm playing, you know, rhythm guitar because... 99% of the people buying gear will use it as rhythm instruments in a band. Absolutely. Because that's so 90% of the gig. I try, to show, I try to show that in a realistic context. It's nice if you have a genty track in it. Yeah, I do that as well. But, you know, super mega complicated gent track. First of all, most people can't play that. I can't play that. And when do you have actually do that? Uh, unless you're in some modern gent bands here in monuments or whatever. So I try to show it in a realistic context. Uh, and I have that, that uh, capability because I produce so much stuff that's sitting on my hard drives. It's full sessions. Yep. So I just go in and replace the guitars. Uh, either it's my music or bands I produce and they're cool with it. Uh, so I have access to the full sessions, which of course I know for most people it's not possible. Um, but there are YouTubers who are saying, uh, and YouTubers that are way more successful than I am in terms of subs and clicks and all that, uh, that are like, well, before I started YouTube, I've never recorded a guitar in my life. Mm. And I'm thinking that's, it's a little bit weird because you're sitting there giving advice about the quality of gear and You've never actually, you don't actually have experience in having recorded it and, and so on. Um, and I probably get real, real shit for that. But I was uh, a little bit shocked when Rob Chapman said that. A year wow. and a half ago, he recorded a solo for Jared Dine's Shred thing, like a compilation. And um, I think Rob can play. There's no question about that. But then I'm questioning, like, what is his... Uh, not experience his uh, let's say qualification mm. as someone that says oh this works well in this and this context I think recording guitar is part of it recording guitar means knowing where to place the mic it means knowing what cab and mic to choose it means knowing that if the cab is or if it's a big ass sound that's you know Engel, you've got Engel stuff there. Engel stuff is super, super big and boomy. It means giving the advice in the video. It's great, but you might have to EQ it out up to 100 uh, with a high-pass filter, blah, blah, blah. It, there's a lot of information that goes in addition to playing a cool lick and saying, I like this. Yeah. And there are so many, I mean, millions and millions and millions of clicks on these videos that he's in, and he's giving advice on guitars, and I'm sure he can describe 
it feels like this, it sounds like this, I like it. But realistically, what are these qualifications in terms of actually giving advice to recording musicians when he's sitting there saying, I don't know how to record guitars? Because what he was using, given all the gear he has, he was doing a katana mini or katana head USB into the computer. It was very clear that at home, he doesn't have a studio set up. He doesn't have studio monitors. He doesn't have a recording set. He's not interested in that. He doesn't care, which is fine. He's a guitar player. But how much do I want to get advice from someone who doesn't have that part of the job down? Exactly. And I know I'm going to get shit for that. But yeah. I mean, it's for me, that's that's part of it. Playing guitar is only one part. It's knowing how it fits into the mix. Now, how many, and he's obviously recorded albums with Dorje and whatever, but uh, there's so much more to, to the gig. Having written, like you, having written jingles or having to work with a band that has a different style than your major style and then adopting, uh, adapting to it and trying to recommend sounds to them. And there's a lot you can uh, learn from this. Uh, and just him saying, well, I don't know how to record guitars was a big shock to me. Yeah, right. Totally. On the other hand, you got someone like Sean Tubbs and I produced a record for my friend uh, Brooke um, about a year ago. Man, she's fantastic. Why she's not a star, I don't know. She was uh, Sinead O'Connor's backing vocalist and rhythm guitarist, if anyone wants to check out some live footage of her mm -hmm. playing. Um, and I can't play country for shit. And people are telling her, oh, get Barry from Dubbo to play on it. And I'm like, Brooke, why are you thinking small? Think big, reach out. And I got Sean Tubbs to play on it. Now, Sean, love his demos. Um, that guy has got experience. The tracks we got back, I didn't have to EQ very much at all. They just sat in there. He has experience he knows his shit um i'm surprised at how little he charged us it was fantastic what we got back but that guy knows tone he knows how to mic things up so there's credibility there and and that i didn't know about that yeah it, i didn't know that about, about and rob and that really surprises me i thought maybe he had a bit more of a, an engineering background but i personally don't watch his videos so, so I, I don't know and and with sean tops is i told him he should like, he's got something that we can't compete with. I mean, he's toured with Carrie Underwood for years. He's a extremely seasoned session player who knows, you know, like a Tim Pierce of the world. He knows exactly, okay, this is the part I want there. He hears what pickups he wants to use. He hears what pedals. He hears about amp. Before he puts his fingers on the instrument, he's nailed the sound already. Yeah. And before, before he plays... He, he he and that's what tim pierce said in an interview you don't get a second chance in the studio you're working with like a world-class uh, arranger and producer they ask you to play something and before you play the part you have to have it worked out in your head what it sounds like how to play it without even putting your fingers on the instrument and the sound so you need to dial it in not even get a sound dial it in and the first time you play it it should be what you're at least hearing in your head so that you don't waste their time. And Sean's that kind of player. And I told Sean, monopolize on that. Like, go, uh, not monopolize. Um, capitalize. Like, what? Yeah, yeah capitalize. Yeah. Go, go ahead and tell people. I mean, you know, rub it in a bit. Like, while I was playing 
the tours with carry you know just throw that in there you know uh this pedal wouldn't have cut it because um uh the low end is too muddy and yeah it sounds great here but the engineer would have given me the front of house guy would have given me a hard time because of this and this and this but uh yeah stereo is nice but but whatever um whatever his his um experiences he can give experience on guitar straps which i can't you know hey this is cool because uh, for a three hour gig this would have worked this wouldn't have worked um oh dylan is here i'm just <laughs> oh, you just saw that yeah <laughs> oh, hey dylan and uh there's super fun awesome happy time paddle here hey gabor uh if it's gabor who knows it is gabor so um uh so uh he really should rub that in because realistically, I want to hear that advice from someone who does that. Mm. Like, um, uh, I'm friends with uh, uh, Lasse Lammert, and Lasse is one of the metal producers in the world. Okay, he's insane. He's got I don't know like 50, 100 watt heads, and and he's uh, he works with some of the biggest metal bands and, and and mixes and produces them all over the. He's very very good. If Lasse tells me something about a metal sound. I'm going to go for it I, because it, it holds a lot of value. Um, he gave me one of his uh, IRs for when I did a diesel pedal. And people hated the sound. But the thing, and, and, and I read it, the video with a different IR. But I know when he tells me that's the IR I use for diesel, I know it works. It was harsh. It was way too bright. It didn't have a lot of low end. But I know, I mean, I'm sorry, if he uses it on the on the albums he, he produces, I know it's mix ready and it works. Yeah. So it, it, that holds a lot of value. Um, what Rob has, and there's no question about it, him interacting with Lee Anderton is beautiful. You know, the, the interaction, he's a, he's a fun guy. Um, he's a mushroom? People talk about... Uh, wow. Um, I could say it's early here if I have bad jokes. You have no excuse. Um, it's Friday he night has, here, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a likable guy. He's great with Lee. I actually think Rob really can play. You know, it, does he do the same thing over and over? Yes. Do we do that? Yes, we all do that. Okay, I'll play the damn three riffs. Um, it just happens. So, um, I think he's got a great personality and he's a YouTube personality that people like. And that's great. Uh, as far as let's try to, let, let's try to be a musician and now I have a band and now I have a blues project. I'm sorry. That stuff is, you know, uh, it, you have to do shit ton of albums to get better at it. I think Absolutely. personally. Um, so I don't think he's got a, a lot of experience there what he has is he paved the way for what we do he was one of the first people to to do this on youtube when youtube even started uh, and then lee ended and said hey here's this guy who's actually uh successful in a media that just started and we hired him because he wanted to do something it was the smartest move ever and together they you know did an, an incredible thing and we should all be thankful for that um does it give him a lot of credibility as a touring, performing, 
recording musician. No, you have to earn that by being a touring, recording, performing musician. Yeah. I'm not a touring musician. I've been on stage very few times. That's not my thing. I, I do this. I'm in, I'm in a studio. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time on stage um, and in the studios. So I still get the call for um, a lot of the 80s artists that I grew up listening on, to on the radio when they come to my state. And you've got to understand that in Australia, our states are about the size of Europe. <laughs> uh, so when yeah. um, these guys that I grew up listening to, to on the radio come to my state, I, I get the call to play as part of this absolutely 80s show. And it blows my mind. And I'm still... Um, yeah, the, the, the gear that I use for that, I can recommend and get, man, yeah, this, this is amazing. I'm out there doing it still. Not as much as I used to. I don't do local gigs as much anymore. Uh, well, there is no local scene right now, is there, with, with, uh, with the current situation? But, um, yeah, I can come from it from that background and say, yeah, this works for me. Oh, the modeler, well, yeah, it sounds good here, but in, if you're playing with another guitar player live, you're going to get lost compared to their fire breathing tube amp etc um it does count for something doesn't it it really does i mean for example people ask me how does it hold the tuning uh, over time i don't know how does it hold the tuning going from uh, one climate to another how does it hold the tuning uh, you know going live uh, being on tour i don't know um uh, what's the longevity of the tubes in this amp i have no idea you know mm-hmm. i mean if you take something on on stage, even two or three times, you learn completely new things about it. Um, you take it out of the case, does it still hold tuning? Like, I don't know, this thing here. Um, this Ibanez AZ, uh, that's a prestige. So they have these roasted maple necks with s technology, which means, uh, or treatment, uh, which means they literally should, why, what, what, what's, what's this? I don't know what that is, damn it. Um, so they should, uh, I don't know, see, it's, some some white gunk on there. Oh, he really liked it. I wonder what. I don't know. No idea what this. But the thing is, this guitar you take off the wall, and it's in tune. This is extremely stable as a neck would, and whatever they do to it. Um. So, I'd love to know. Live, what does it do? You know, how does yep. how does it handle? So there's a lot of information that you could give people by if you you know if you gig with something once, you can come back and say. That's my experience. I can't do that. I can give the experience of having recorded it in a studio. Um, but it's really valuable. And that's the experience that uh, Sean Tops can give and some other people. But of course, people that uh, uh, kind of like me, that don't play in a band, that don't go live, uh, don't have that that information. So I think that really lends uh, credibility or extra information on a level that I can't give, but you can. I try to give other information. I I try to do, uh, hello, Dylan. I try to do awesome shirts. You know, that's something I I can give. Um, I I can go and take an overdrive pedal into 10 different amps in the video, which I think is extremely important information. Uh, If you want to get that pedal and you hear me playing it in the Tone King, that's fine and dandy. But what if you have an orange? Because once we hit that orange... It's a different ball game. Absolutely. So, so uh, I think it's, it, it, my videos can be very useful for overdrive fuzzes, uh, distortions, you know, boosts, because I go into all these amps and it really tells you a different story once I go into an amp that's closer to what you have. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't done that many overdrive ones uh, as yet, but I am wanting to get, I've got a, a little Vox back there, uh, Fender Vox Marshall. You need to play through at least those styles of circuits to get yeah. a realistic feel of how they're going to react. I've got the Vox there. I, um, I was using my Friedman uh, small box for my Marshall comparisons. Um, Fender, I'm still working on it, but um, yeah, I hope to. Ha- I actually want to get the Synergy system so that I can have access to those different preamp styles. That might be a bit of a shortcut for me, but. Um, talk to Labros from uh, Achilles Amplification. Yeah. He's in Australia. I don't That's know. That's an Australian company. Okay. Um, check it out. Uh, I've got that amp right there. Uh, it's uh, the Achilles uh, Argos, which is kind of a, a, a blues breaker kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's making hand-wired replicas of tweeds and, and black faces. Really, really nice. Um, and uh, he always needs more more YouTube exposure. Brett Kingman's done a lot with him. Uh, so he's definitely in your, well, on your continent, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, don't know where, but um, he's a nice guy and uh, he makes kick-ass uh, uh, black faces and twins and, cool. and tweets. I'm going to have to suss him out. There is a few guys around yeah. here. Um, we're talking to uh, Dave Friedman. I had a reverse tone talk last night where I had Dave and Mark come on. Uh, yeah, I, and... I saw that. I didn't see it, but I saw it. Yeah. Um, and he brought up a, a builder who I'd, I'd actually been in contact with, Charles Cilia, and he's making some absolutely amazing guitars. Ernie Taylor, ET Guitars. Um, I was so impressed down at, at uh, the Melbourne Guitar Show with his stuff and um, want to do some work with Ernie as well. Um, I have Michael Ibrahim from MI, MI Audio coming on the following week, not next week, the following week. I hear great things about his amps. Um, and it's a lot easier to get them to me. There's been a few people that I've reached out to and they're like, yeah, sure. And then they go, where are you? And I say Australia and they go, oh. Yeah, that's difficult. Yeah. Um, you, you go entertain your people for a second because I need to pee. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's okay because I, right I do that a lot. So I'm going to switch to this one. I'm, I'm going to check right out. Back. You're right, mate. I'm going to have a look at the chats. If anybody has any questions, I'm going to have a look here. Any of you guys got any questions for me while I'm waiting for Henning? You want to do a little dance? Uh, yes, Gabor says, a live audience can't handle the total package Henning delivers. So I'm going to say, Gabor's out there playing live. He's on the other side of Brisbane than I am, so we're about two hours away from each other. Um, so sometimes we meet in the middle and we have crossed paths prior to uh, meeting up at 42 Gear Street. What else we got here? Cleaning the shoes. Well, where Henning's gone, I'm going to talk about that room of his. I mean, apart from that chair that's on the road, look at that rack. <laughs> nice rack. Giggity. Uh, it is mind-blowing. As I said, I went there, walked in, and didn't realize how deep that room is. It is wall-to-wall guitars of just all the cool stuff that I don't see my way. Um, my pick of the guitars that were in that room were, you can see the Friedman just above the angle. There's a Friedman, uh, classic S off the shelf. I love that. And on another wall that we can't see, he has the Schecter, um, Henning, what's the Schecter you've got? It's, um, 
the seafoam green. It is his name escapes me. Nick Johnston model. The Nick Johnston model that he's got on the wall is bloody amazing. Have you got me, mate? I got you. Yeah, Nick I was just Johnston saying some Schechter. of the some of the guitars on your wall that have played there. Uh, the the Schecter Nick Johnston was mind blowing. Yeah, that's a Freedom Dust guitar. Yeah, and the Friedman behind you. I've been to several trade shows now where um, Friedman guitars have been the second best guitar I've played there. And the ones that were number one, you wouldn't go out and play live. Uh, so that's pretty consistent for me. So I'll take number two and, and know that I can throw it around and, and not have to worry about scratching the bloody thing. Yeah, people, uh, people bitch about the aging on the Friedmans and blah, 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 you know, age uh, guitars are for poses. Well, I just heard yesterday from someone that works with Friedman that um, uh, the ones that are high gloss and not aged don't yeah. sell at all. Really? And their aging is be- and their aging is beautiful. And the um uh the thing is it makes it more of a tool. It makes it a thing that you grab, you do, uh you 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 just you don't mind scratching it up. It's it becomes a tool. You just grab it and you make music with it. Um you're you're looking at the uh vintage S right there, right? Yeah. Uh, I also have, I don't know, oh, wait. Metro D. The Metro D uh, in really one of the ugliest colors he can possibly find. <laughs> this is. is a vomit, vomity peach. I, I call her peachy, but uh, she was here at uh, Gear Street and I really wanted a pretty one, but I played this thing and I was like, whoa, wait a second, what's going on here? Um, it just rang so beautifully. And uh, everything about this thing is is there to love. I love the, the, the inlays on the sides. That's a little bit different. Um, it, the, the aging, and look at the back. I mean, yeah. even though this is pristine, they kind of, that kind of feels weird. Um, but I mean, mahogany neck and i think this is a uh, an uh, aldo ash body or whatever and um you know it's got a volute it's got locking tuners uh and it's a what's amazing about it is yes it's a setna guitar and it technically is less paul ish but it's not um because it has very little thumb and low end it's a mix-ready guitar. If you want to rock and you want to play something that immediately cuts through a mix and sits right where it's supposed to sit without you having to do anything, that's the guitar. It doesn't have that super fatness that you have to EQ out anyway. Um, it, it has a very defined attack and definition. Um, and this co- uh, combined with like a Marshall sound, a Friedman or whatever, um, is just immediate rock and roll. Cool. Immediate. Cool. It's a uh, beautiful playability. Um, this is a guitar that you'd immediately take on stage. You just rock with it. You don't care. You, you know, you might even lean it on an amp. Who gives yep. a shit? Yep. I'll show you my and workhorse, mate. I've got, I got a workhorse back here as well. I'm going to take the time to go back and grab it because it's... Go, go, go. It's this guy back here.
So that's my uh, similar workhorse that I can take anywhere and not have to worry about scratching it. I actually set fire to that. It used to be a black. It was a... And I've scooped out all the bits back here, in there, just to get better access. Uh, But that's why I like uh, distressed guitars, is that I don't have to worry about it. I've seen this guitar in in numerous videos of yours. One modification that I do on those is I put a neck-on switch um, so that I can get the neck and uh, bridge pickup at the same time. for pseudo Telecaster kind of sounds. And that was the rhythm sound I was chasing for years that I just couldn't pull out of the one guitar. It's like, since I've added that switch, it, it gets it for me. Um, two questions. Yep. A, uh, it's a three single coil guitar. You don't miss having a humbucker in the back because I would, my, 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 my brain says driven sounds going in the bridge, only single coil, most of the time, I would say no. Too, too bitey, too much. Yep. Glad you asked. Uh, that's actually a Kinman Big 9.0. So that's based on the sound of a P90. So it's a bit hot, hotter output. Oh, ah, okay. I'd never had a P90 equipped guitar prior to that. Uh, but for me, and I say this quite a lot in my live stream, so people are probably sick of me saying, saying this. But to me, a single coil, I really hear the character of the guitar. If I'm playing a humbucker, I'm really hearing the character of the amp. That P90 sound in that gives me that in-between where I can hear, feel that woodiness, giggity, uh, of the guitar, but still get that character, push the amp into where it needs to be. I could use that at a metal gig and get away. And, and quite often, some of the metal yeah. bands that I play with, um, w- there'll be two guitar players and... The other guy's usually using a Les Paul or something, so I'll go, well, I need to complement that. I'm going to go for a different... You you take up or in the frequency range, and I'll take up more of the he in the frequency range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all depends no, on who I'm playing that's, with. That, that's a great description. Uh, before we... Uh, uh, Albus has uh, some good questions there, yeah. but I want to ask you about... You said you carved out something in the back for high access. Yeah. And I'm going to, I always have, have, it's one of my pet peeves because companies do that on guitars. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Because you see Ibanez does that right here. Hang on one sec, mate. I'll just switch to you. you. Yep. So all carved out. Yeah. Who the fuck plays there? See, they have this right here. And they say, oh, you have really beautiful high fret access. So, okay, here's my hand. And I'm playing, okay? And I'm playing, 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 playing. So I'm getting up here. In order to actually make use of this, the way I would have to play is this. Who plays like this? Yeah, right. Like, literally, you don't get there. Your hand is in this position, maybe this or this. And you're playing, 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 playing. And I'm up here. It's actually more likely that my hand goes in this direction because I'm angling it up. Then in order for this to make sense... You'd have to literally point the guitar like a gun at someone. So why in the world would that give you better high fret access? Okay, so companies I've got... are doing it left and right. Everyone is cutting out right here, right here, and they make it look as if oh now I... it's a psychological thing. No one plays like this. Henning, you don't have your hand here. Henning, 
Are you a thumb sure. over player? Do you play guitar with your thumb hanging over? It uh, depends on what I'm doing, yes. Uh, because I didn't realize until I started doing the videos how far my thumb comes over, man. I'm muting all the strings that I don't want to hear oh, okay, with my cool. freaking thumb, like, because i got pretty big hands. And when I do get up here by, let me just switch that there. And I can't actually see my screen, so I don't know if I've got this in. Okay, there's a big camera right in the way. Uh, that there, having that angled in, that does help me reach there. I agree, yes. That little bit just here, totally. But I hear what you're saying about right back there. That is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, even that bit there. Really? Do, do, you, do you need that... Well, the way you're holding it now, but I mean, are you actually holding it? See, right there, it wouldn't matter if that's there or not. When you're having I'm, it I'm touching that. Position. I'm touching that. I'm seriously touching. She said. She said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I play and I'm doing a bend up there, I haven't played guitar in two months, man. And my fingers, I have no calluses. I, it hurts. <laughs> but my tendonitis is gone, so I need to ease back into it. Yeah, totally. Look at that. Okay, so, so um, Albus asked, uh, rank the McMulls. Uh, I don't know if I can actually get them. Let me see. So there's the, ooh, the Tally, the Tally with Humbuckers, which is the Purple Monster, and my Strat right there. Um, I would probably go... Um, Purple Monster, because that's an insane guitar. You know, that's the one that arrived during Gear Street. Yep. Um, it's, it's just uh, tonally, I mean, it's, it's three-position humbuckers, but, uh, oh, my God, what an insane guitar. The, definitely that is probably would be number one. Then the Strat, then the Tally, simply because uh, I would go for a Strat because, before I go to a Tally, because I love the Strat in between positions. Tally's kick-ass, too. But, um, and then he asked... Uh, the Shabbat or, hey Robin, um, the Shabbat or the McMulls? Ah, that's, that's tough to say. The Shabbat, wait, I get it. This is a masterpiece of a guitar. Wow. And it, and it is, and look at that neck. Abi Shabbat is the guy who designed the Friedmans in the early days. Oh, really? He just didn't have the he just didn't have the volume, uh, the capability to produce them in in volume. This, I'm going to say it. This will kick a Friedman's ass. Yeah. It is pretty much you know two P90s. It's like the Friedman vintage uh, T, uh, but holy crap, it's as good as guitars come. It 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 is. Uh, the Friedmans are more rock and roll. Yep. This you can do. You can be way more subtle on, and it is as good as a McMull. So, if he's asking me this or the McMulls, well, this is P90s. It is different, but if I had to make a recommendation, being as good as the McMulls, I wouldn't play favorites other than price. Because if I had to recommend which one to buy, then this is 3500 
the McMulls are six and seven thousand. So even if you get a, an, an inexpensive McMull, it's still going to be forty five hundred to five thousand uh, inexpensive. So purely based on price, I would recommend the Shabbat before the McMull simply because you just don't spend as much for the same amount of amazitude. That's a word. <laughs> it is now. Um, uh, so uh, these, I can't recommend these guitars highly enough because they're just as good as the McMalls. But I mean, if money's no object, the McMalls are ridiculous guitars. Nice. So uh, whereas the McMalls uh, follow really vintage specs and, and attention to detail and no compromise, uh, Shabbats are Shabbats. He does what he does and they sound like Shabbats. And McMull goes and tries to replicate purely authentic vintage, you know, single coil guitars. So uh, it's a slightly different um, approach. Cool, cool. So, Henning, one thing I, I realized talking to you is, and you, you said the word before that informative. You need to be informative for, for your viewers. And um, one thing I've learned along the way, and I've only just sort of clicked to this in, in recent times, especially. When you're trying to get viewers to, to tune into something, like a, like a live stream, I don't watch many other, other videos or, or live streams because, man, do I have an hour to sit through this? No, I, I'm, I'm busy. What am I going to get out of it? And one thing talking to you is you get a lot out of it because you, you're so in-depth with all this. Is that something that you, that you consciously think about when you're planning a video, how to make it informative for the people? It just comes out that way because you're a fucking nerd. What is planning a video? Planning a, okay, planning a live stream. I, my friend is a, and I had to write down what his title was earlier as I was talking to him. It's over here, one second. Ah, my friend is the audio solution specialist at Avid in Australia here. And... He's helped me out. When, when shit goes pear-shaped, I'm, it's the first thing I'm do is like, Drew! And he's like, yeah, man. Um, and I invited him on for a chat next week. Um, uh, yeah, I saw that somewhere, yeah. And um, we're going to do that at 2 a.m. here because 7% of my viewing audience is, is Australia, so why not cater to the people who are actually going to be watching? Um, but he's going to give me a, a, a Pro Tools power user lesson, like... All those things. I've been using Pro Tools since 2000. Um, mm -hmm. I started working in, in radio at that time. And uh, they've added so many new features along the way that um, you sometimes aren't aware of new shit that comes in there. And there's functions yeah. in there that I have no idea and uh, what that is. So he's going to give me a free lesson, power user lesson. So, yeah, mm -hmm. to me, that's an informative thing. If I was just perusing what's in the recommendations i would watch that because i'd get something out of it if i wasn't watching that if i actually went to sit down and unwind i watch videos on color grading and lighting and stuff because there is so fucking much to learn and it sounds like you, you had a, a bit of a video background before and i i didn't um audio was was my thing so i've had to learn the hard way uh, I'm also red, green, colorblind, like, like Glenn Fricker is. So I have had to learn to rely on meters to get my color right. Um, mm. Just all those little things, man, that, that raise the bar just that little bit uh, in terms of well, there's a, I mean, quality. 
if you if you're talking about that stuff that needs to be informative because you want to get something that you don't know and watch that yeah. is that here's a, here's a question is that a channel you're going to subscribe to maybe not because you got the information and you move on so pure information is going to get you to watch the video but if you're not entertained or it wasn't a great time and something emotional came across. If the other topics are not of interest to you, you're not going to subscribe. Sure. So information is really only good to hit the people that are looking for that information. And shenanigans are going to turn them off because they want the information. So they want to know how does the pedal sound. And then... For five minutes, you're goofing around with the dogs or, you know, making stupid peanut jokes. And they're going to be like, but, but I want the information. But what they don't realize is that there are people who watch videos regularly and they don't give a rat's ass about the pedal. They come home at night and they put up a cup, cup of coffee and they'd rather watch their YouTube guy uh, talk about a pedal and entertain than uh, the news or a sitcom or whatever. Because they feel a, a personal relationship with sure. this guy. sure. So um, the information is one thing, but I think that purely based on information, people don't subscribe unless it's information that you want on a regular basis. But what would that be? Uh, would you be interested in uh, the next pedal, the next pedal? Maybe you're an ambient guy and I review delay. OK, why in the world would you watch a distortion pedal or whatever? You know, sure. uh, or a metal guitar. Uh, so for people to watch on a regular basis, there has to be more than information. Mm -hmm. um, you're saying, uh, you know, when I plan a video, I plan very little that if you plan stuff, you're going down a list of things to say. And obviously, if you have a complex product, you have to do that. But it makes it less spontaneous. It makes your reaction to it acted. And I'm not an actor. I can't do that. So when something is cool, I react to it because it's cool. If I don't react like, oh, my God, this is awesome. What, what, what? You know what? Maybe then the product isn't awesome. Sure. So the more you plan what you're going to say, the, the less it is real. Sure. One thing you've always Sometimes said to I'm me. Like, one thing you've always said to me is to be yourself because people are going yeah. to subscribe because of you. And I, I got to say, man, I, I want to thank you publicly. You, you have behind the scenes uh, helped me out a lot and give me little bits of advice here and there. Um, and yeah, that's one thing you said from the beginning is just learn to be you on camera. That's taken a long time, man. I, I look back at my very first couple of videos and I, I personally thought that uh, I would be doing it for a couple of years before anybody noticed, but it was like my third video that all you guys noticed me and sort of like, hey man, and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this shit. So the, for about a year or two after that, I was very quiet and uh, yeah, but um, then uh, then you go live on stream and then you get in the middle of a sentence and you have absolutely no idea what the fuck you were talking back, so I'm going to throw right back to you. <laughs> because that's me that's what that's who i am i'm a forgetful motherfucker uh, that's what i was going to say i was very stiff at the start i look back at those and i'm just going uh, look at me 
uh, I can't. Oh, a big part of that was I had a borrowed camera that didn't have autofocus, so I couldn't fucking move, man. I'm sitting there going, oh yeah, and uh, uh, and I would have to do it so many times because I get back and the lights were wrong and this and that. Nah, I, I got a lot lot quicker with it and just able to bring the natural personality. When when people ask me, I want to YouTube. I would say, uh, Toman asked me, Toman consulted with me, said, our channel, what should we do in the, in, in the early days? And I always said, people watch because of people. Nobody watches because of the gear. The people that watch because of the gear watch once, and then they move on. If you want to build a channel, you need people that watch on a regular basis, and no one watches on a regular basis because of the gear. Um, now, a uh, channel that I watch once in a while is Potato Jet. Potato oh, Jet that's the, is a the guy camera in, guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I watched that. Guy, yeah. That's why I, I bought my camera that I'm pointing at right there. Yeah. Was based so, on I his mean, review. I'm, so I'm sometimes, obviously, he's got stuff that we can afford. But, I mean, he's talking about an Ari. He's talking about lighting that's ridiculous. Um, I did buy a light because of his video. Um, but he's enthusiastic. He's. I would have watched that one lighting video that uh, 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 Mervalicious, uh, one of my fans, recommended. And bought the light and I'd be done with it if it was informative. But it was informative and also you could see his passion for film, his passion for what he does. And he explained it beautifully. It was infotainment. And so I watch him on a regular basis, even for stuff that I know I would never be able to afford. Maybe it teaches me that what I have is good enough and so on and so on. But he's just watchable. And uh, people watch because of people. If you want to know how your remote works, there's a video for that. You'll find that. Someone at home filmed his remote and explained it with an iPhone. All good. You're not going to subscribe to that channel. Um, exactly. You're yeah. going to subscribe to a channel where someone is like a mate. Like, you know, someone like, oh, I want to hang out with this guy. Uh, I want to have coffee with that person. Sure. Um, and if you have a feeling that they are acting that will shine through relatively quickly. Sure, yeah. It's, you have to be yourself. And in my case, uh, people respond to it. And people do I just read comments this morning where someone is talking on a VR and you did this badly and you did this badly and that was stupid and that was too long and trying to be my director. And then three comments down on the same video from quite a while ago, someone said, I love this video. You guys were super hilarious. I had fun the whole time. So... What am I going to do? Am I going to change the way I do it and alienate the guy that really loves the way I am? Or am I going to start reading from a script that I write to myself and make the guy happy that wants it short and precise and to the point? Who am I going to alienate? Well, I'm just going to do I'm going to do me, which is making the guy happy that likes the 45 minute video where I ramble and just I'm stupid and I'm, you know, going on tangents. That's. That's easier because it's me. So why not do that? Sure. So I, I do plan little. I do some oftentimes like when I'm sitting around or I'm in the shower or whatever. I'm like, okay, I got to hit this point, this point, this point. And I'm making a mental list days before I shoot a complex video. If it's an overdrive, I literally sometimes haven't even played the damn thing. It's an overdrive. Yeah. What is it going to do? So I pump it into amps. I react to it. And that natural reaction, I think, is way more important than anything else live streams i don't do many of them i do either the production live streams with uh with the whole band 
where we literally do seven hours of producing a, a song, which I think is very interesting if you invest the time, because uh, it's real. Um, I've just recently done two lessons on uh, uh, pedal tone licks, and those had to be planned because I did all the tabs, which were picture in picture and all that stuff, and how to how to teach them. And I thought I really thought they were very cool. Just no one watches my lessons because people go to other channels for that, even though I think they're good. Um, so those were planned a bit. I don't do what we're doing here. I don't do the let's do the talking heads thing. And no offense to what you're doing, which is good. But everyone's doing it. It's literally just the Internet is full of the talking heads. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I actually stopped um, as soon as all the lockdowns and all that crap went down. Um, I was doing trying to get one a week out there and then it just got flooded and I was talking to somebody who's a bit of pop star from back in the 80s and we were talking and blah, 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 and we both said the same word at the same time, we were, same sentence. We went blah, 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 cheapening their brand. Like there's a lot of people out there that are doing it and it's, it's not good. Um, there's some people out there that are just who are – can bona fide put down a phone, pick up their acoustic guitar and sing a song. I'm, I'm talking about more people performing and stuff mm-hmm. as well as interviews that you just go, oh my God, that Paul Kelly, who's an Australian artist you probably wouldn't know of, um, can put down his phone, pick up his guitar, sing his folk songs and sound exactly like he does on a bloody record. Uh, and then there's other people out there that are cheapening their brands. And that leads me onto something I want to ask you about was branding. When it comes to thumbnails, we mentioned thumbnails before. When I'm scrolling through my recommended videos, I can pick yours even if you don't have you your face on there. I notice it's very trendy right now for uh, – it's almost expected to have your face on there, pulling a face every time. You know, how many times can you – let me just switch, uh, you know, go and, and pull a different face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so – I tried that. Someone messaged me and said, dude, you need to do this. And I did it on two or three and I just went, no, fuck no. No, that just looks stupid. <laughs> if I go through the video and I look for something that makes sense, if I have a funny face, I put it in there. But my thing is, um, you know, always show the product. Yep. And I go and I copy the picture, do it in one color which is usually the opposite color of what the product is. Okay. Uh, the complementary color, is that what it's called? Yeah. Complementary farben. I know it in German. Um, and, um, then cut, and, and, and then cut out the product. Uh, sometimes my face is in there. Sometimes I remain uh, in the one color. So I might be all purple, you know. So I fade in the background and the product's uh, key. And I do, uh, I always use the same font. So uh, that that can help to stick out. I don't do super sensationalist uh, text. I mean, sometimes I do stupid texts. Uh, if a video literally is pointless, and they're fun to watch. We've done a whole bunch of videos at NAMM that are pointless. You know, Albus can contest that contest that because he's a, he's been in some of them. Um, I actually write, this is a pointless video. Nobody should watch it then, you know, that's the title. Uh, so uh, could I do more sensationalist titles and thumbnails? Probably. Uh, but again, that's how to promote yourself and how to market yourself. And 
Um, I always wanted to be the guy in the background. I never wanted to be the artist. I never wanted to be, look at me. Uh, that's why I became a producer, not an artist. And then I ended up being an artist where all I wanted to do is just do, do the I wanted to do the music and then move on to the next album. But the problem is when you're an artist, you do the music and then the work starts. Then you do the 40 interviews for all magazines and websites and um, and all the promo. And there's people that love that. I did an album with Sebastian Bach and Sebastian hates doing the music and he wants to be the rock star after. He wants to be celebrated for being awesome. Sure. And oh my God, is it tiring, <laughs> such a person. Um, because when I was done with the album, I wanted to do the next album because I like to do the work and he hated to do the work. He wanted to be, you know, the guy in the magazines and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, different people, I guess. Um, so I wanted to be the person behind the artist as a producer. Well, that didn't work because I became the artist and now I'm the guy in front of the camera. Um, but the only way I know how to do that is just be me. And then all the other stuff, marketing myself and the tags and the hashtags and the Instagrams and that stuff. Uh, I think I would need someone to help me with that to be better at it. Yeah, sure. I I, I noticed you don't do much of the Instagram. You, you, you occasionally post at the corner of a table or something. I, I forget. I forget a bit about Instagram myself. But you, you mentioned using the same font all the time. So what catches my eye when one of your videos comes up is the same font and the same colors uh you you've you've chosen a color scheme which represents you i, I can see when one of mine pops up because i have my logo in the the round circle um and you know bang oh oh, oh i'm suggested um steve Vai, I, i've seen his stuff come up he just has his little logo there and i know that's him without having mm. to have his face on there um but one thing i wanted to talk about was relationships and building relationships and that's one thing you've got down um that's one thing that i really got out of coming to 42 gear street i didn't i got the vibe straight away from some of the, the bigger guys that oh you, you got how many subscribers you're here to muscle in on my videos and 100, I, 100 oh okay yeah, yeah sorry and i i, I, I thought so wait i just had to answer a question thought continue sorry. yeah my so thought. um for me, it was the networking thing and meeting all the people. I've been doing interviews with a lot of the people that, that were there like or the, the, from the brands. And we sit around after the stream ends, chatting, blah, 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 blah. And it was great to build relationships. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a classic example here, man, of, of building a relationship. If This is for budding YouTubers out there who want to reach out to, to companies or to guests to come onto your show, you know, like – and you know what? I, I did a live stream with my friend last week who is um, – his music is all over all the big uh, TV shows, movies. And I was asking him questions, expecting a yes-no answer, and he was going on these long rants, and it all led back to relationships. I reached out to a company recently, and you had helped me set up some affiliate links with – a company associated with them, but they also had a, a contact on their website for a uh, few media, etc. I sent two emails, one to somebody that you had done a, a handoff to me, uh, to them. They said, hey, man, thanks for getting in touch. I'm not the person to talk. They handed me off to somebody else. That resulted in, yeah, sure. What do you need? 
I reached out as well to the person who was the contact on the website who didn't know me from shit. Their response <laughs> basically was, um, thanks, we've got enough people, enough YouTubers out there with our stuff. Um, and you might want to build your channel up a bit before reaching out to manufacturers. And so it was, com it was a, a complete, yeah, what do you want from one person and the person that I didn't have a relationship with and wasn't handed over uh, was a completely different story. So let's talk about just the way you formed relationships over the years, mate. You, you, you're the king of it, basically. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's not just something that happens like that. It takes fucking years, it, doesn't it? It's, it's, most, it's most of the work. It's going to companies, actually going there if you can. Uh, it's going to trade shows, meeting them. It's uh, handing out cards. It's showing your work. It's writing emails. It's befriending them on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that shit. Um, it's ridiculous amounts of work. It's uh, getting to know them. Uh, it's uh, calling them out, actually, sometimes in a way that um, there's one company, a very big company, that I know they didn't like my honesty. It was very obvious because yeah. they talked behind my back to other companies about, oh, he's an unguided missile and, you know, and he'll say whatever. I'm like, yeah, because I review. I'm not your little bitch. You can't pay me to, to then say whatever you want me to say. That's not happening. You do good stuff, send it to me. You do crap, know that it's crap and leave it in the fucking warehouse. Yep. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, not a problem. Just send me the stuff that you believe in and we'll, we'll go from there. So they were – I connected them with many of my friends and then they were ghosting me. And I'm like, look. I got your stuff on the table every fucking day because I get it from Toman. I do the Toman videos for, for pedals. So I get the stuff. I don't even have to buy it. I, I have it here on a regular basis to do the official videos for their website. Um, so I can review it if I want to. And that's not a problem. I don't even have to order it or, or pay for it. I, I can just make reviews. And I said, if we have a relationship I'll at least do you the courtesy of if it's complete crap, we'll talk about it. I'll tell you why it's crap. Yep. And if it's so bad that I would have to say, don't buy it, I don't make the video. Yep. I don't do trash videos. Yep. I will critique. I will say, I don't like this. I wish they had done this. But I don't trash stuff. Um, and I called him on it. I said, do you have a problem with me? If so, say it now. It's fine. Then we, then we part ways here. I will do my videos. Not a problem. But I'm done being dicked around. Mm -hmm. So I'm very straightforward. Um, had a long history with a German Fender marketing team who were complete dicks to me. Then those guys, then we made up a couple of years later. Then those guys got fired immediately after uh, for different reasons. And um, now after years, Fender has a really cool guy called Martin. And Martin loves what we do. He gets it. He gets that even if we could critique something, that's what we do. Um, and it's still good marketing. So um, he wrote me and said, hey, what can we do? Like it. My first email, and we're talking about a big client, a paying client, a client that can be good for me business-wise. My first email was, look, you have killer shit. Uh, you also have crap. Mm -hmm. Just make, I review stuff. Don't send me the crap. 
Okay, keep the acoustasonic because I'm going to make fun of it. Yep. Um, and your pedals are not great. I've reviewed this and this and this, and I sent him links to it. I had the pedals here. I made them. You know, I didn't not on commission. I made those videos for free, and I said honestly what I thought about them, and I told him about it. And that's when you see whether a company is cool or not. Do they get pissed off? Do they get in your face? Oh, we wish you hadn't done that. Well, I wish you had, you know, made a better product. Yeah. Um, it's not my fault. I'm sorry. It's not. I'm not super picky. If I send it in, into 10 amps and it sounds crap in nine of them, I'm sorry. Maybe yeah. it's not the best pedal. Yeah. It's not like I don't have an experience with good pedals. I know what a good product is supposed to do for me. Um, so he writes back, said, good. We'll try to keep the crap away from you. Yeah. What about this and this? And he's like, let's do the LT25 amp, let's do the bass breaker, um, and pick pick a guitar, pick one of the performance series, and I picked a jazz master because I don't have one. Um, he didn't even want a review for that, he just said play whenever possible. It's not an amazing guitar, so I didn't review it. I, it's not bad, but it's not wow for the money, it's like, uh. yeah. But um, So I play it in videos where it makes sense, so I give him screen time, but I don't comment on the instrument. Um, but uh, he said, well, we have new pedals now. I'll send you two. You get to keep them. But don't review them. I just want to know what you think. So I told him that I think the pedals are crap. Now he has an interest because he knows I'm going to tell him honestly, which rarely happens. Yep. Everyone's going to blow smoke up their fucking ass because it's Fender. Yep. What YouTuber's going to go, dude, that sucked. I do. Yeah. And that's not a problem. So he was cool enough. He said, oh, finally someone who's going to tell me honestly if we're on the right track. Yeah. And he sends me two other pedals, which were okay. Yeah. And uh, I even made videos for them for free because I thought he was cool. And so we have a good relationship now. Um, am I going to say Fender stuff is amazing? I'm going to say it's amazing when I think it's amazing. But we have a working relationship and he likes the honesty. And that's how I am with any company. Look, I love Guillaume. I love Two Notes. He's a good friend. They're an amazing company with amazing products. But for me to say they're amazing products, he's got to make them amazing. Hmm. I'm not yeah. going to say it's killer yeah. just because it's my friend. Um, yeah. I'm using the Ox for most of what I do because it gives me the sound I want easily. I can get those sounds from uh, the Two Notes stuff, but I'm using the Ox. Is he pissed off? No, I'm using his stuff as well. Yeah. So it's about friendship or money can never come before the honesty. That's number one. You have to serve your audience. Yeah. Uh, I tell this company, I tell it uh, to companies straight away, and um, and it works. Yeah. Uh, I do. The other thing that that works with companies is uh, data. And I don't get. I tell them straight away, I don't do reach, meaning I don't get them a lot of clicks. I don't get them the most clicks in any way. You will get more clicks from Rabia, from that pedal show, from almost any other channel, actually. But I do have sales because I have the Toman and the Sweetwater affiliate links. Mm -hmm. And Toman has sold over 2.5 million euro worth of gear through me. Wow. So... Uh, whether I get 3,000 clicks or 10,000 clicks, shouldn't the bottom line be 
I can sell shit. Because people come to me, and Charlie Cooper from Orange said this. Um, Charlie said, yeah, we know your video is not going to be the most clicked video, but your video very likely is going to be the last video someone watches before they make a buying decision. Mm -hmm. So they might watch the 10-minute video from Channel A where you see certain sounds. And then they might watch the five-minute hype video that Orange did and the seven-minute video from Channel C. And then they're, okay, I'm hyped. They were all good sounds. Because that's what a lot of channels do. You know, you, you, you pick the good stuff and you do a demo, which means you show the positive sides of the, the product, yeah. which is fine. That's a way to do it. That's demoing. Yeah. Well, then you've got cash in hand. You're hyped. You got a boner. You got an amp boner. You want to know, do I want that orange amp? Well, wouldn't you want a real review now? Like one where someone also bitches about stuff. And puts it in perspective price-wise against the competition and so on and so on. Yeah. Well, then they come to me and they have the money in their hand. They got an amp owner. They want to know right right away, do I buy this now or not? So let's watch Henning. And you get different guitars. You get it in a track. Um, you get me to say, well, you know what, with pedals, eh. Um, so all of a sudden, they, they had an amp owner. They've got the pedal board in front of them that they spent 5000 bucks on. And I'm telling them, well, you know what? If you need a pedal platform, something else is better. Which with orange amps is pretty much the case. There's very few orange amps that are good pedal platforms. Uh, the the uh, Rocker Warp Mark III isn't. It always sounds too fizzy, uh, too saturated. It will change the character of your pedal pretty drastically. If that's what you want, fine. But I'll tell you that. So yeah. now all of a sudden you're like, well, hmm, do I spend the money? So my videos push you whether to buy immediately or to abandon the idea. So my videos are the, the tiebreaker, kind of. And Charlie put, put that beautifully. My videos are probably the last one to watch before you buy. Uh -huh. So does it, mean, does it mean I get the most clicks? No. Because yep. you have to invest the time. You're not going to watch a 30-minute video just to get a little bit of info on it. You sure. got the little bit of info from channels that do the five-minute video. Now you want to buy. Now you watch mine, which is why they're probably clicking on my link to buy the damn thing. Sure. Which is why I have a lot of self rules. So with companies, those numbers, demographics matter, clicks matter. But when I say how much I can sell of their stuff, see, showing them the numbers, mm. realistically, let's take a pedal. Engel. Engel Powerball pedal right here. Thing is, probably 229 I would assume. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm charging them X amount of money. And if they have to sell, let's say, five pedals, not five or 229 people, that's not how much I charge because they don't get 229 for it, okay? Let's say they have to sell four or five pedals to afford the video. And I can show them the numbers that say, oh, yeah, we can easily do that worldwide. Because why wouldn't you sell five pedals from a video? That gets 5,000 clicks. Totally. Well, then, then you broke even. Then why in the world wouldn't you do the video? You know? If you can show them the, num the numbers, how many products do you have to sell to, uh, to afford the video, and then you've broken even, and then any other pedal you sell is bonus, is, is money made, um, th those numbers matter. Which, of course, you, with your, with your subs... It's tough to get the sales numbers. It's tough to get the click numbers. But 
I'm you, working on get it. there. It's I'm just, working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it, mate. It's yeah. just work. Yeah. I did tell you, I just got my, my first paid gig. Uh, shipments on its way. It's not for, to be hosted. I haven't actually cleared that up with them. They, it, they want it on their website. I don't think it's appropriate to have on, on my channel. I don't think people will be interested. It'll come across as, oh, this is paid placement or something. So I'm happy to just do it for them. It's an easy gig for me to do. Uh, well, I'll, here's the thing, but 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 that doesn't help your channel. No, it doesn't, but might it puts food gig. on my table. <laughs> Absolutely, might be a paid gig, but you have to get paid gigs for your channel. Yeah. And you're saying if it comes across as paid, you have to say that it's paid. It's the law. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the law that you have to state sponsored by and possibly even say it, and I do both now. Yep. Um, and it's, look, that's not a problem if you're honest. Yep. Now, there's no problem at all to say you're getting paid for it. Some people say, oh, he's a trust fund baby and he gets, you know, he has all these guitars and he buys them and makes videos to show off with them. Idiots. Hmm. Do you not understand what an influencer is in how YouTube works? Yeah. I get paid to do what I do. Do I pay for this? No, I get it from the company to show it. Yeah. Some stuff is here parked, so I might have to send it back. Some stuff I get to keep, um, in which case I get paid nothing or less. Um, but it's it's a gig, it's a job, and it's a job that I do every day for 12 hours, weekend, Christmas, New Year's, it doesn't stop. So it's a is lot it of a commitment. job you want? A lot of commitment. It's not, it's not a job you want if you're into playing guitars, let me tell you that. Because right now, right now I spend an hour and a half more talking to some freaky Aussie guy. That's what playing guitar. And I'm having another one in, in like 10 minutes. So we I, have know, to, you know, I know, I know. I was keeping an eye on that. That's why I was yeah. about to wrap it up, mate. Henning, I, so really, like, I really appreciate go, 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 you go. taking the time, mate, to, to, to talk to me. And I think people are going to get a lot out of that and see what it's all about, that it's not sitting around playing in front of a, a camera for 10 minutes and go, oh, yeah, look at that video. There's a lot of fucking work. And you've got the background. I think people appreciate that, the video, the audio. It, it all counts. That's why your videos look amazing. They sound amazing. They're informative. And that's why you're Henning Pauly and people know you and you're in the position you are. And I thank you so much for taking the time to, to share some of that with us. Have you got anything else <laughs> um, you want to... Uh, and, and I'm going to say Andre, but there's a Z in it, just a commented. That's the guy I'm supposed to talk to. He says we're good. So yep. he's... <laughs> he's oh, no stress, dude. It's okay. Um, um, well, I'd say, uh, thanks Rick, but I hated every minute of this. This was absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like you as a person. You're a horrible human being. Um, you, uh, your girlfriend's way out of your league. I hope you know that Bitch. way, way out of your league. Bitch. Like she should really be looking at something like this, you know? <laughs> Tell me, you, you, you're going to lick it so it's yours, right? That's what you do with your guitars. <laughs> is that one step too far? Well, the thing is, the thing is access to your girlfriend. You have, you, you'll be, you know, on her much faster than I am. So you win that one. <laughs> and the thing is, hey, we have Rona roaming around. So no licking right now. Oh, yes. No, no licking. <laughs> Let's, even though the CEC apparently just said uh, uh, you can't get it from surfaces that easily, which 
they change things every. I don't believe a thing anymore. You don't know what the fuck. I I I, I don't want to talk about it in my videos because I don't want to date my my videos. Um, but yeah, who knows today what to is. Uh, May 22nd, people, 2020, and I just dated it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this was fun. We can do it again sometime. And next Turn time I'll get the time right. To... I'll get the time right next time. Yeah. Mate, you caught me I off guard. I'm right. sitting there fucking editing thumbnails as you do, spending all that time going, you ooh, does that look good? You were watching porn. You were watching porn admitted. Yes. Yes. Caught you with your pants down. That's what I did. Henning, I have this button. It says end screen. I'm going to fucking hit it, man. I'm going to yeah. hit it. I'm going to hit it. Oh, I had an awkward moment last night. I switched my buttons around. I thought I was hitting the applause button to thank Dave and co. And I went, yeah, let's thank Dave Freeman and co. And cut that off. I just went, oh, fuck. <laughs> wait, but, wait, a sec wait a second. I'm, I, I'm not getting applause. You're going to hit the end thing without applause? <laughs> thank you. I would have taken that one very personally. See ya. <laughs>